0: Welcome to some more great Bible preaching from the pulpit of Capital City Baptist Church in the heart of Austin, Texas. Our prayer is that your relationship with Christ is strengthened and that you are blessed by the time you spend in the Word of God with us today. Jeremiah 35, starting with verse 1. The word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah... King of Judah, saying, Go into the house of the Rechabites, speak unto them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jezaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazaniah, and his brethren, and all his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites, and I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah, the man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes which was above the chamber of Messiah, the son of Shalem, the keeper of the door. And I set before the son, the sons of the house of the Rechabites, pots full of wine and cups, and I said to them, drink ye wine. But they said we will not drink wine, we will drink no wine for Jonadab, the son of Rachab, our father, commanded us, saying, ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons forever. Neither shall ye build house, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any. But all your days ye shall dwell in tents, so ye may live many days in the land where ye be strangers. Thus have we obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, and all that he had charged us, to drink no wine all our days. We, our wives, our sons, nor our daughters, nor to build houses for us to dwell in, neither have we vineyard, nor field, nor seed. But we have dwelt in tents and have obeyed and done according to all that Jonathan our father commanded us. But it came to pass when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up into the land that we said, Come and let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and for fear of the army of the Syrians, so we dwell at Jerusalem. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and tell the men of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, will ye not receive instruction to hearken to my words? saith the Lord? The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine. They're performed. For unto this day they drink none, but obey their father's commandment. Notwithstanding, I've spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye hearkened not unto me." I want to speak on the subject tonight of the Rechabites. Turn with me back to 2 Kings because I want you to understand who he was speaking of. The story tells us Jeremiah wants to get a message across to the Israelites. God's going to give them a visual lesson, and he's going to use the Rechabites. Jonadab, their father, had told them 275 years previously Given them commands, three commands, and that was to drink no wine, not to build any houses, and not to plant any vineyards. They had kept those commands for 275 years. Now I want you to see what kind of fanatic their great grandfather John Adep was, because often as Christians, we don't want to be known as fanatical. Well, I would have to say that Jonadab definitely fell into that category. How many of you remember wicked king Ahab and Jezebel? The wickedest king that Israel ever knew. He was king of the northern tribe, the 10 tribes. And the Bible says that there was no king as wicked as Ahab. Now several kings have come into position in the power, but 70 of Ahab's sons are still alive. How many of you remember the story of Jehu in this chapter? Jehu the madman. I like Jehu. Very zealous. And uh, he's riding in a chariot. Look what it says in verse 15. And when he was departed thence, he lighted on Jonadab, the son of Rechab. Now, this is the beginning of the Rechabites. So here's Jonadab coming to meet him, Jehu. And he saluted him and said to him, Is thine heart right as my heart is with thy heart? And Jonadab answered, it is. If it be, give me thine hand. And he gave him his hand, and he took him up into the chariot. And he said, come with me, see my zeal for the Lord. So they made him to ride in the chariot. And when he came to Samaria, he slew all that remained unto Ahab in Samaria, till he had destroyed him according to the saying uh, of the Lord. Now, let me explain what's going on here. Jehu is a zealous man ready to destroy all the enemies of the Lord. So when he gets in the chariot, they arrive, they come to those 70 sons and slay them all. He said, I want you to see my seal for the Lord. Now wait, they weren't finished. Then he sent out a message and said, if you think Ahab and the previous kings were for Baal, Wait till you see my zeal for Baal. And he gathered together all the prophets of Baal. This is what the chapter's about. And he puts them into, look what it says in verse 21. Jehu sent through all Israel, and all the worshipers of Baal came, so that there was not a man left that came not. They came into the house of Baal. The house of Baal was full from one end to another. He puts 80 guards outside, sends men in, enslaves every single prophet of Baal. In the land. Wait, they're not done yet. Look what it says in verse 26. And they brought forth the images out of the house of Baal and burned them. Now, you've got to understand, Jonadab is with Jehu. The first thing he does, he gives him a sword and they go and slay 70 of the king's sons. Then he's seeing him gather together all these false prophets, they put them in one temple. Baal's temple, and they slay all of them. And then he said, wait, we're not done. And he drank a couple bottles of five-hour energy. And he went in, and they started smashing idols. And Jonadab is leaning back, worn out. Jehu says, aren't you glad you're on my side? (laughs) And he said, absolutely. Now go back to Jeremiah. Did you just understand who great, great, great granddaddy was. Someone that said, I want to stand against evil. I've watched churches go the wrong direction. I've watched churches fall apart at the seams. There are still a few churches, there's still a few pastors in this nation worth emulating. And those that are worth emulating are those that take a strong, fervent, adamant stand on the word of god and the principles of the word of god those are pastors that won't bend that won't bow that won't bow that won't give in to the direction that the religious crowd is headed all across this nation now here's what you need to understand here was a man that was so strong in his principles and convictions that 275 years after he sat down and talked to his boys. Now, I, I would like to imagine his stories as he sat down with his boys and said, Boys, I want to tell you about the day that I rode in J. Hughes' chariot. It was wild. I had no sooner, listen, no sooner seen him and gotten close to the chariot when he reached out his hand and said, Is your heart right with my heart as my heart is with your heart? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if I would have told this man No. <laughs> You guys wouldn't even exist. (laughs) Thankfully, we hit it off. There was a common cord. I jumped in the chariot, but I no sooner got in the chariot, I couldn't even grab the side before it took off, and he placed a sword in my hand, and I knew we were about ready to go to battle. And boys back then, Rinland didn't exist. There was no way to slow this man down. Now, can you imagine as he sits down, look what it says in Proverbs. Go with me to Proverbs because I want you to see something in chapter 23. Proverbs 23, we read back in Jeremiah chapter 35, when he gives these commands, he said the first thing is, don't drink any wine. Now, let me just say this. As a parent, it's your job to instill principles and convictions in your children. And delegation in the area of principles and convictions never works. And here's what the average independent Baptist wants to do. He wants to say, you know what? I don't have time. I have a busy schedule. I'm going to let the church or the school or the Sunday school teacher or the junior church workers... Or the Institute instill convictions in my children delegation in this area it doesn't work and if you personally do not teach them Bible principle they will live without principle and you say well the church failed me no that wasn't the church's job well the school failed me that wasn't the school's job God never gave the command of instilling principle in your children to the school or to the church. He gave it to the parent. So if your child is without principle and without conviction, that lack came from mom and from dad. It didn't come from their environment. We can only reinforce what's being taught in your home Because if you're not teaching it in the home, you're simply bringing kids to undermine what we're supposed to be reinforcing. And I like to think about this man, and I know there wasn't a whole lot of copies of the book of the law or the prophets, but I guarantee you this somewhere down the line, he'd gotten a scroll and he'd pull that scroll out. It was a portion that was written by Solomon maybe 80 to 100 years previously. And he'd sit the boys down and say, boys, I want to read you something very important. Look what it says in verse 29. Who hath woe? Now, boys, you know who wrote this? Solomon. You know who Solomon was? The wisest man that ever lived. And a very wise man, Under the inspiration, the divine inspiration, God Almighty used this man to write this very special instruction to us. Look what God told us through Solomon. Who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions, who hath babbling, who hath wounds without cause, who hath redness of eyes. They that tarry long at wine, they that go to seek mixed wine, Boys, you better catch this. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth this color, in the cup, when it moveth aright. right. He said, I don't even want you looking at wine. Right. Did you get that? You may go to a house, and in that house, they may put wine upon the table. I want you to leave that house. I don't want your eyes to look upon wine, because if you look, you'll want, and if you want, you'll taste, and if you taste, you're in trouble. So don't even set your eyes on wine. Boys, I don't mean this today and I don't mean this tomorrow and I don't mean that this changes when you're teenagers. I don't mean this changes when you go to college or when you're all alone or when you're in the wrong spot with the wrong person and there's temptation set before you. This means you don't ever, ever, ever. I just want to reiterate something with you young men. This command for you is forever. That's the word Papa Jonadab used. And who knows how many times he read this text. Who knows how many times he pulled out this scroll. But he did not have a church to instill principle. He said, my duty as father is to instill conviction and principle in my voice. You do that two ways. You explain biblically and then you explain logically. So he said, here's the Bible explanation. Okay. God said, don't look on it Now. The world says, do it in moderation. Now, even churches say, yep, yep. drink in moderation. God says, don't even look at it. Right. Now, boys, that doesn't mean just today or tomorrow. That means what? Forever. 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 That means what? Forever. That's for my boys. That's for my girls. Leah, are you ever going to touch wine? Are you ever going to look at the cop? What are you going to do if you're in a place and they pour a glass of wine? Are you going to tell them no thank you? You don't have time for no thank you. Where are you going? Out the door. As fast as you can go. You get on your horse. You ride home. You tell me about that temptation and you'll never step foot back in that house. Is that understood? Does your sister understand that? Does your brother understand that? Are you going to drink wine tomorrow? What about next week? But Joel, listen, you're the big brother. You're 27. Now you can make your own choices. I want to tell you something, son. I have experience in UFC. I've invented UFC. Yeah. Me and J. <laughs> invented the original UFC. Yeah. Now, son, let me ask you, how many teeth are going to be left in your mouth if you ever touch wine to your lips? in the world you're going to find a pretty girl missing six teeth you're going to have one choice move to arkansas you don't want to drink wine you say how many times did he say this he must have said it a lot because 275 years later when they put pots of wine on the table those boys looked and said no we're out of here and Jeremiah said, I'm the preacher, drink wine. And they said, We cannot do it. We had a granddaddy a long time ago that talked to us about missing front teeth. <laughs> and we like our teeth. There was a principle that ran so deep, it ran 275 years long. And he took them through Proverbs chapter 23. Look what it said. Now, he gave him the biblical reason. Then he gave him the logical reason. He said, At the last, it biteth like a serpent. It stingeth like an adder. Do you like snakes, boys? Do you want me to put a snake in your bed? You know what you've done? You brought wine into the house. You brought a serpent, a snake, and guess what's going to happen? It will bite you. Yes, Thine eyes shall behold strange women. Guess what, son? You've got a wonderful wife. Do you want him looking at other women? That's what's going to happen if he gets drunk. That's what's going to happen if he puts that to his lips, to his mouth. You're going to watch your beloved husband kiss another woman because he's lost his mind in a moment of drunkenness. Do you want your sister-in-law suffering the agony and the shame Of having her husband do something stupid because he got drunk. Now, look what's gonna happen. Thine eye shall be whole, strange room. Thine heart shall utter perverse things. Dan, you'll lose your mind. You'll lose control of your tongue. You think anger makes you lose control of your tongue. You wait till you get a little wine in your system. You'll talk about things you should have never talked about. You'll say things you should have never said. And the embarrassment will last a lifetime. You know what you do? You don't ever touch it. 275 years later, they're still at the table saying, no, we won't touch that. You know what that takes? I want to see some children, not just my children, but the young children in this church. Listen, we live in a wicked, perverse society where temptation is at their fingertips like no other generation. This generation of young people can sin at the drop of a hat, the touch of a screen, the punch of a button, and we provide them the opportunity. Instead of providing them the conviction, instead of teaching them the principle, instead of going to the Bible, and here's what our young people don't even know, because we've never taken the Bible and say, this is the way you should talk and walk and dress, and listen to me, folks, There's a serious breach in the teaching to our young people when we have kids that can go 18 or 20 years in a Christian environment and dress like the heathen, run with the heathen, listen to the heathen's music. When our children are so spineless, so free of conviction, so distant from the Holy Spirit that they can put a cigarette to their mouth and it doesn't bother them, whine to their lips and there's no feeling of defilement. They can indulge in anything wicked in society and walk into church on Sunday with a smile on their face, a pleasant look. Did you understand the word conviction? Do you know what conviction is in this day and age? In the age of grace? That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. You say, I don't have convictions. You know why you don't? You don't have the Holy Spirit working in your life. Because conviction comes with Bible and with the Holy Spirit. I guarantee you, Jeremiah had this very well set up, but Jeremiah knew the deepness of their conviction, the backbone that they had developed, the principle that was established in this family. And he had some people around. And listen, they had a million excuses to do wrong, but here's what a principle or conviction will do. A conviction will stand any test. You know why our children fall so quickly, first opportunity they have? You know why kids that have been born and raised in Christian homes, so quick to throw off standards because there was no conviction taught to them. There was no deep principle in their hearts and minds that said, they're just things I will not do. You say, preacher. Listen. Have you ever gotten in your car and just kind of let you know? you You just say, you know what? I wonder what rock and roll sounds like. I would like to hear some of Satan's music. I mean, to tell you right now, I can stand before you with an honest face and say, never in my life, no sir, I don't do that. There was something put deep inside of me that said, listen. All that does is arouse the sensual side and develop a carnal spirit. And I cannot have a ministry and you can't have a pastor and you can't respect the man of God knowing here's a carnal, sensual leader that's given in to the desires of his flesh. I've never put a cigarette to my lips. You say, have you ever been tempted? Listen, I worked in the world where every single morning, I worked third shift, every day we walked outside of that factory. The guys would gather and say, Adam, you coming to the party. We're going to go drink our breakfast. You say, what did you do? Every day I said the same thing. No. I have no desire to be a hobo. I don't drink i don't waste my money i don't want to act like a fool i don't want to join you and the next day they would say well today you had a bad day you look like you need some help how about if you come with us and you say what would you do in your weakest mom i have a flesh but thank god for a mom and a dad not in the christian school not in the Sunday school, but a mom and a dad that had said over and over and over and over and over again, there are things you just don't do forever. You don't do those on the holidays. You don't do those at the workplace. You don't do those in secret. You don't do those with the right crowd. You don't do those with the wrong crowd. You don't do those when you're 20. You don't do that when you're 30. You don't go there when you're 40. I don't care if you're single or if you're married, if you're out of state or in state. I don't care if it's Friday night. I don't care if you're alone at the house or with friends. I don't care if it's 10 o'clock or five o'clock. None of that changes. You just don't do that forever. And because kids have not been taught that, and because that Bible hasn't been instilled in their hearts and minds, guess what happens? We didn't take the time as parents. We didn't have the time. So we said, I hope the church instills convictions. And I hope the Sunday school instills convictions. And I hope that clubs, and I hope Brother Dave, and I hope Mrs. Kelly, and I hope Brother Mike, and I hope Brother Jimmy, and if Ms. Thompson instilled some convictions in Pastor Adam, Surely she instilled some convictions in my seventh grader as she went through that science class. I'm sorry, that's not her job. That's your job as a parent to put something deep inside of them called the word of God. And what you do not put Mark as a parent Into chloe and clarissa what you and Kendra do not teach them if you don't teach them that sin is wrong and sin is wicked if you don't tell them that you don't never ever in your life put a cigarette you don't ever put a needle in your arm you don't ever put powder in your nose you don't ever do that under any condition you don't touch a boy before you get married Those are things you just don't ever, 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 ever. What word is the key word of this, kids? Ever. Because these principles are forever. Now, here's what he did. Because those kids couldn't understand everything that he was saying, he said, because you don't have convictions, I'm going to loan you some convictions. And here's what they said. When Jeremiah asked them in chapter 35, verse 6, why won't you drink wine? What was their reply? Because dad said, now, generations later, maybe they hadn't pulled out the book of Proverbs. Maybe they hadn't read the words of Solomon. Maybe they didn't have a copy or a scroll of Proverbs 23. But you know what they had? They still had some borrowed convictions that had lasted for centuries because of instruction from generation to generation. And here's what we don't have, parental instruction. You need to sit your child down and say, this is why we dress this way. I don't want someone looking at mom's breast. I don't want someone looking at mom's backside. I don't want someone paying attention to the sexual parts of her body. I want her to look nice and beautiful, but godly and proper. Because there's a Bible principle. Listen, you can go just about anywhere in this book and find principles of purity and modesty. That's not hard to find. You don't have to dig deep. You don't have to look in the Hebrew or the Greek. There's a Bible principle. God is not for sensuality. God is for modesty. Let me ask you, when you find the word sensual, does that deal with the world and the devil, or does that deal with God? When you deal with the word lascivious, does that deal with the world and the devil, or with God? When you deal with God, what words do you deal with? Holiness, purity, modesty. You say, preacher. Preacher. I don't have that conviction. That's because your relationship with the Holy Spirit has been hurt or been hindered. Because when you walk with the Holy Spirit, when you live with the Holy Spirit, you will be tender to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will say, Mark, there are just some things as a Christian you should not do for your wife's sake, for your kid's sake. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think those kids understood why they lived in tents for 275 years? They said, 275 years later, he said, why won't you drink wine? He said, not only will we not drink wine, we won't even build a house. You won't build a house. Our daddy told us not to build a house, but to live in tents. One day, he pulled out the book of the law, the book of Moses, Genesis, and he read us a story about Abraham wandering from place to place and living in tents, and he said, don't you ever, ever buy a brick or build a house. You say, do you understand that? I don't have to understand that. We don't believe in obedience anymore. Here's what we have to do. You have a God that's fit within your imagination. You don't have the God of this book. Your nature, your human nature needs restrained. Let me tell you a little story. Years ago, my wife and kids wanted a dog. I was out of town. I let them pick a dog. They made a good choice. They found a Rottweiler, brought it home. Now, the only problem with a young Rottweiler is young Rottweilers love to run, And we had a fence, and everything that dog needed was within the four walls of that fence. Family that loved him, fed him, petted him, played with him, he had everything right there. But that dog had a nature that said, run free. There's a better life, and they're keeping you from a better life. Those people are keeping you from the dog pound. Those people are keeping you from wandering the street. Those people are keeping you from being hit by a car. There are emotions that you'll never experience and things you'll never be able to feel. You know the joy of a broken leg? You you know the blessing of going two nights hungry? So occasionally the gate would be left open. I remember one time a group from the United States came down and they visited with us and we had given them specific instructions, please shut the gate, someone did not. And she saw her opportunity. Her nature said run and she did. And my kids cried, and my wife cried, and I rejoiced. (laughs) And the next morning, Christopher, with big, sad, baggy eyes, woke up and went out the gate and said, Annie! And here she came. Now you know what you can do with Annie now. You can take her out to the front yard. And she stays. You can open the gate, and she stays. Because at some point, the light came on, and she said, you know what? I've got it pretty good right here. Hey, I wake up every day and I get food. Occasionally, they bring me steak and goodies and they pet me and they play with me. I don't get chased, I don't get hurt. I got a house when it rains. Some crazy lady is always putting out new rugs, (laughs) soft cushions, calling me baby. I think I've got it pretty good. You know what a principle, you know what a standard, you know what a conviction is. Those walls, God said, listen, I'm putting up those walls because you have it so good right here. I'm trying to keep you safe. You know what standards are? You know what convictions are? They're a seatbelt. Everyone in here like to wear a seatbelt. Why do you wear a seatbelt? I don't like to wear a seatbelt, but I'm learning to wear a seatbelt because occasionally I drive by a rolled over car. Yesterday afternoon when I was coming down Slaughter, there was a six car pile up. Caused by the rain. And I got out and I saw the ambulance and the, they were still trying to get a lady out of the car. And I didn't have my seatbelt. I saw, I put my seatbelt on. I said, Oh, wow. Man, I like my teeth. Man, I love my ribs. Man, I'd hate to have a broken neck. Yeah, right. You know what motivated me to put on that seatbelt? It's a safety net. And all of us. Love the thought of staying safe. Young people that haven't experienced life, they're convinced, listen, there's so much that I can't experience. There's so much good. And listen, when the devil tells you that the world is good and desirable to the taste, let me help you out. He's absolutely right. Sin is a pleasure. The problem is twofold. Number one, the pleasure lasts a very short fleeting moment. Yeah, that's right. And number two, the cost is extremely outrageous. And here's what God is trying to tell us. There's a story here. If you want your children to have any chance at all in a world this wicked, you know what you do? You better understand, you better instill in them some convictions, and that comes through Bible principle, and that's your job. That's no one else's job. No one else can do that. No one else can replace that you can't delegate that and the average person in here works on some level that you're used to delegating Part of your responsibility, and if you're not careful as a father, you say, I'm so busy, I have work, and I have to work overtime, and then I have traffic, and then I'm tired, so I'm going to delegate to my wife, and the wife is busy, and the wife says, I'm going to delegate to the Christian school, and the Christian school says, we have math and English and science and history, I'm going to delegate to the Sunday school teacher, and the Sunday school teacher says, you know what, I don't have the talent, the ability that Brother Mike has, I think I'm going to push that off to Brother Mike. There's only one problem with all that delegation. God said, "You're the mom. You're the dad. You teach them Bible principle and establishing them convictions." And here's what Daddy did. He taught them biblically and he taught them logically. And here's what our kids don't even know. I get them in Bible college at 19, and I say, "What is wrong with rock music?" And they say, we don't know. I say, "Why in the world would you not go and put on a bathing suit and go to a public pool?" And they say, "I don't know." Because Mom and Dad didn't teach them, what we were trying to teach was undermined, doubted, criticized. They saw you anytime standards was preached, convictions were preached, they saw the irritation on your face. You were upset. You were frustrated. You went home, and even if you didn't say, I'm not in agreement, your face, your body language told them, I'm not in agreement with that. So now you get to deal with the aftermath, the after effects of a child that's not pure, a child with an addiction, a child with a serious problem, because you're fearful. Listen, some of you live in fear. When your child 17, 18, 19, you're fearful of their freedom because you know inside they have no convictions. So you know with that freedom, constantly, every day, every moment is just another opportunity for them to get themselves into trouble. You have to check their friends. You have to check their phone. You have to check their places where they go, and you have to worry about their schedule because you know, deep down inside of their heart, there's nothing, there's no walls left, there's no conviction. Now, some of you have an animal, you're so unconcerned that the fact that your fence fell down and your gate doesn't close because you know, no matter what kind of storm, what kind of visitor, or what kind of food is next door. Your dog knows this is where I live, this is where I stay, and I just don't run the streets. How many have a dog like that? Now, let me ask you this How many have a kid like that where you just rest and say, I instilled something deep in them? And at first, I loaned it to them until they made it their own sound, solid Bible conviction. Listen, do you think? you could find a way to convince my wife to go to a movie theater. Now, here's what's wrong. Your child will go because your child has no clue what's wrong with the movie theater. You've never explained to them. Now, can you imagine if we just put up whatever's playing in the movie theater this week, if we just put up here on the big screen? How many minutes would I have to play to get you to understand that's not where a Christian should be, that's not what a Christian should watch? The language alone would be embarrassing, extremely embarrassing. The dress, the music, the theme, the behavior. Now, what if you don't teach that to your children? Because they will have a chance to go to the movies. What if you don't teach them the evils of drink? Do you think your child's actually going to live to a 65 without ever having the opportunity, without ever being offered a glass of alcohol? What if you don't teach them biblically what is right to do, what is wrong to do? I'm thankful for a mother that instilled in us to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because at some point early in life, I stopped looking at things as a standard, a conviction, a do or a don't. I got to the place where I said, you know what? I want to please God and I want to please the Holy Spirit. So that just means there are things I don't do because I can't feel right with the Holy Spirit and do that at the same time. So if I've got to choose between the Holy Spirit and this friend, I'd much rather the Holy Spirit. I've got to live with the Holy Spirit. And he put something so deep in these kids. And let me just say this. The temptation was stunning because it came from a place they never thought it would come from. The direction caught them by surprise because this was a man of God. And you know where our temptation is coming? for our children to do wrong, here's why they're falling. The majority of the time, it's not coming from someone out in the world that's high on dope. That's not their temptation. It's coming from the Christian crowd, the spiritual crowd. The crowd that's saying, all you gotta do is love. Don't worry about do. Did you get married, Robert? Is that called a relationship? Did you know our relationship come with lists? Did you tell her I love you? Oh, when you said, I want this relationship to be lifelong, you stood up there and said two words. You said, I do? A relationship comes with the word do? You mean there's some things that your wife expects you to do because you're in a relationship? I thought it's just about love. Honey, I went to the strip club, but I just want you to know I love you. When you finalized that, you didn't say, I love you. You said, I do. And here's what Christ told the disciples. If you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. And because I love that woman, there are places I don't go. And there are people that I don't run around with. And there are things I don't say because I say, you know what? Our relationship comes with love. It's based on love. But that love is revealed in the things that I do. Uh, Here's what you need to do. If you do not teach them Bible principle and then teach them logically why we keep that Bible principle, you're going to raise a heathen. And the first person that puts out a pot of wine, they're going to have their face so deep in it they may drown to death. And when that child reveals he has no convictions, the first temptation of every parent is to say, the church failed me, I thought we had a good church. Isn't it strange that this man that raised these children, his generation's 275 years later, without a church, without a pastor, without a Sunday school, without a day in a Christian school, without one moment in master clubs, said, we live in tents. Why do you live in tents? Because the rest of us have nice houses. Because my dad one day looked us in the eye and said, don't you ever, ever, ever. I don't care if it's Lenar or KB, east side, north side, south side or west side. I don't care if it's the best deal in town. I don't care if it's a repo or a short sale. You don't ever buy a house, you live in a tent. Well, why did you do that? Because he told us that every day. Well, can you tell me why you don't live in a tent? Because my dad, with a burdened heart and a determined soul, looked us in the eyes and said, This isn't for a week or a month. This is forever. Amen. And when we said we believe that, we meant it. Yep, yep. They said, Wait a minute, we don't drink wine. Wait a minute. We live in tents. we don't build houses. We won't even touch the seed of a grape. We won't even consider planting a vineyard. Now here's what some of you are stuck on and upset about, because your pastor doesn't even like the seeds that you could use to plant a vineyard. Well, why are you making a big fuss about Facebook? It's a window of opportunity.) You plant that seed today, you'll be fine. You're not eating grapes tomorrow. You may not even eat grapes next year or two years from now. But at some point, you plant that seed, you will be eating grapes. My dad didn't give us all the explanation, but he did remind us of a man that we know very little about, but his name was Samson and he didn't even plant a vineyard. He just walked through it and he broke his Nazarite vow and he looked us in the eye and he pointed his bony finger and said, I don't ever want to catch you with a grape seed in your hand. You understand that, boys? Yes. 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 I'm going to get nervous when my kids walking around with a grape seed because yes. I know ultimately yes. where the direction is and a lot of you, I'm a lot more worried about your direction than your grape seed. And these boys said, I want to touch a grape seed. Say, why are you so concerned about public universities? Why are you so concerned about public schools? Why are you so concerned about Facebook? Why are you so concerned about the internet? Why are you so concerned about those things? Because today it presents no danger, but give it two years. Wait till that seed's been planted and that child's cultivated it, and that child knows in three years I'm getting grapes. And they'll get them. And you'll say what happened? I don't understand. I never allowed them to drink wine. No, you allowed them to plant grape seeds. Look what they said, verse six. But they said, "We circle that word. We will drink no wine." You know what they did? They had stayed together as a group. They'd surrounded themselves with the same people of the same convictions, and that's how they had stayed strong for centuries. And here's where our children have gone weak. weak because we've put them in circumstances and surrounded them with people who are constantly attacking and undermining and making fun of every standard you have. Your dad makes you do that? You're 18 and a virgin? You've never smoked a cigarette? And we're not talking about the world. We're talking about Christians. Well, in our church, we all love God and we do that. Now, look what happened. As a parent, one of the most effective ways to teach your children to have convictions is found in verse 16 through 19. Because the sons of Jonadab, the sons of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them. But this people did not hearken unto me. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will bring upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken unto them, But they have not heard. What did they do? They shut down any conviction. They said, we don't want to feel convicted. We don't want to hear it. God said, I'm going to pronounce evil against everyone because I spoke. They have not heard. You know what the nation of Israel was saying? What's the problem? What's the big deal? What are you talking about? We're Christians. We're God's people. You're the fanatic. You're the extremist. Verse 18. Jeremiah said unto the house of Rechabites thus saith the Lord of hosts the God of Israel because ye have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father and kept all his precepts and done according to all that he commanded you therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts the God of Israel Jonadab the son of Rechab shall not want a man to stand before me forever turn to Jeremiah 6 and I want to tell you this and we're done here's how you instill convictions in your children You want something that's so deep that when you're gone or when you're out of the picture or when they're alone, it's so deep it still guides them to do right. Because guess what? Your kids at some moment are going to have the opportunity. Now, do you want to be stressed out thinking as soon as they're given an opportunity, and they will have it, as soon as they're given the opportunity, they're going to go off the deep end? Do you want to live with that fear? then you're going to have to establish in their hearts and in their lives deep-rooted, deep-founded principles that will guide them for life. One of the best ways to do that, show them the consequence and the reward. I love the story of the Barkowski boys, where Dad Barkowski worked in the sheriff's office, and one day he said, boys, took him down to the jail, and he let him, and he said, you know why this boy's in here? Because he has your problem. This is your destiny. You take that trail. This is the direction you're headed. Is this really where you want to spend your nights? You know what Brad said? Boy, that put something deep inside of me that said, I don't think I want to take that trail. You show them the full consequence of sin before they have to pay it. And here's what we're doing. We have kids that are clueless when it comes to consequence. And they're out there. Some of them are still out there thinking there's no consequence they get to pay forever. And even when they're done, and we, even when they're finished, and even when the light turns on, they still get to pay. Yep, yep. They burn up the trust of that person they married never ever to recover from that because someone didn't say, here's a consequence. Here's the reward. You know what the reward is? You can have a good marriage. You can have your finances together. You can marry pure. Now look what it says in Jeremiah 6, Verse 15. Were they ashamed, were they even ashamed by their sin, by their lewdness, by what they were doing when they committed abominations? Nay, they were not at all ashamed and neither could they blush. This is a society that can do, and now we laugh at homosexuality, don't even blush. We laugh at fornication, we laugh at filthy jokes, We can laugh at anything. Neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Verse 16. Oh, we don't like this. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways, see and ask for what? Isn't that kind of old? When you got a command 275 years prior and you're still living in tents, they were safe. Their father was trying to teach them a lesson. This world's not your home. You're just passing through. Stay clean. Don't be a fool. Don't drink wine. Forever. Ask for the old pass. Where's the good way? When they're 18 and they get their diploma and they get their freedom and they get their driver's license, if they don't have a deep conviction, you have a deep problem. We certainly hope that you've enjoyed this message today, but more importantly, we hope that the Lord has challenged you in some way to grow in your Christian life. For more information about our church, including directions and times of services, please visit our website at www.capitalcitybaptist.org.